A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In 2001, I started uh, with my first week of church camp. I had never been to church camp in my life, um, so uh, I was an adult. <laughs> um, uh, 2001, what would I, I would have been 39 years old. I did my first week of church camp. Um, didn't go as a youth. I went to Boy Scout camp. Did that for quite a few years. Uh, so I never went to, to church camp until I was invited to lead church camp. <laughs> and said yes. Uh, fortunately, I had somebody else to lead with me, and um, Evan and I started this camp, and, and a bunch of adults, Nancy was there, she was one of the leaders in it, and, um, and we started this week of camp, and it was, it was middle school and high school, and I think we had about 60 or 70 kids there, um, and it was a great week, and then I figured out what we were doing. <laughs> And so the, the second year, Evan um, bowed out. He was no longer leading it with me. I was in charge. And we began to put together camp. Now, we did all the things you always do at camp. I mean, we had games where somebody had ice cream in their hair. You know, we, we did all those camp things. We, we played all those games that are fun and out in the field and water games and sweaty games and, and mud games. We did all of those things. We, we played all those games and had a fantastic time. We also, um, we did worship three times a day at camp. Camp. We would uh, play, do worship in the morning, in the afternoon or evening, and then at nighttime. And now the worship we did twice a, a day was um, very loud, very um, uh, boisterous, kids standing on chairs. And we had motions like VBS. We had motions to every song that we invented. Or I should say the campers invented them. I tried to follow along. I I can't do those things. I'm lucky to sing and walk at the same time. So it wasn't working for me, but they had all these hand motions, and, and uh, um, it was just a boisterous time, and they loved it. They loved being in there for, for that part of it, and, and um, they, we just had a wonderful time. But I figured out in the second year, as we grew to, I don't know, about 120 kids, which was max that camp could, that particular camp could hold. We split it into two different weeks and uh, middle school one week and high school the next or flipped it around. Um, we learned that we were trying to do something deeper. And there were some things that worked and some things that didn't. For instance, um, I had a, a rule at camp that there would be no pranks. And it was a hard and fast rule and I wasn't joking. Um, because I knew that whenever there's a prank, somebody gets hurt. No matter how much it's just supposed to be funny, somebody got pranked. And it's, it's a little bit hurtful. Or somebody didn't get pranked and therefore didn't get noticed. Or, or somebody said, how are we going to get back at them? Uh, we had one uh, uh, counselor that didn't take me seriously um, one time and decided uh, that she would lead all the girls to sneak into the boys' cabin and steal all our towels. And that afternoon before supper, we had a terribly sweaty game, and all the boys went back to the cabin to shower, and there were no towels. What are they going to do? I was furious. 
I went and collected all the towels from the girls' cabin, and I walked back to the cabin with all these towels. And before I could even put them down, the question that was asked was, how do we get back at them? And I knew that was coming. You see, when there's a prank, there's always the desire for revenge, and revenge is not a Christian motive. As a matter of fact, God says, vengeance belongs to me, God says. It's not your job to get back at people. It's not your job to set the score straight. And so what the reason why not the pranks is because what I was trying to do at camp was create a Christian community as pure as we possibly could in one week. And it seemed to catch on because what I found was I, I, did, I led that camp from 2001 to 2016. So over those 16 years of summer camp, um, kids would come back year after year after year. Some of them would start the first year of middle school and would graduate high school. We allowed them to come back the summer after their high school graduation, and they would come through that whole time. As a matter of fact, some of those kids that I had uh, as, as kids um, in their senior year, they just finished their senior year and we had them at camp, and, and I led that. I usually led the seniors, the, the oldest kids' small group, and um, four of those kids will lead the camp next summer. So they got it. They understood it. They got the idea that what we were trying to do is create a culture that was different from what kids experienced outside of camp. To give them an idea of what it might be like if the whole world followed Christ in that way. What would community look like? What would the culture be if the whole world followed Christ in that way? And I know that sounds like a pipe dream, but it was Christ's dream that we would love one another, love one another in very real and honest ways. And so we only had them for a week, though, of the year. And many of them are on Facebook. I, I have, I don't know, I have like 1,800 friends on Facebook, and I think half of them came from camp. And I see what they're like now, and some of them got it, and some of them not so much. But some of them got it. We were trying to create that culture. And so we only had one week, and then 51 weeks out of the year, either they lived it or they didn't. Either they were encouraged by their church or they weren't. And sometimes it went well and sometimes not so well for them. I remember hearing about one of them that, that went to jail for a while. And that's sad. He had the opportunity to take the right path and he, and he didn't. But he was at camp two summers, I believe. It's kind of what we try to do with Vacation Bible School as well. By the way, that's my, that's my outfit for the play during Vacation Bible School. I didn't wear it to preach in because when you put this on, it's 600 degrees in here. Um, but with, with the Vacation Bible School and all that stuff, what the kids don't know is we were putting them in a small group that they hung around with. And when I say they hung around with, they, they literally put, picked up those speeders and, and would, would go all through the church with them. So the group was together with the boundary of that, that speeder. And um, it was kind of funny to see some of the counselors who were maybe older than me trying to keep up as the speeder was flying through, through the church lobby. Um, but what we were doing is we were putting them together in a group. 
to begin to have a community, to begin to get the sense of what it feels like when a community lives together as Christ calls us to live together. What does that look like? What does that feel like? And so in our VBS, our, our themes for VBS were be devoted to one another, honor one another, submit to one another, accept one another, admonish one another. I'm on the wrong list. Let me go to the other list. Our VBS themes. <laughs> That's the other list I'm going to give you in a little bit. The, the VBS, the Vacation Bible School themes, it, it was shine Jesus light, but before that tagline, there was a prefix to it. Um, so when it feels dark, shine Jesus light. When people don't get along, Shine Jesus light. When good things happen, shine Jesus light. When people are sad, shine Jesus light. When people need help, shine Jesus light. The idea clearly was in, in the midst of life, when you're doing life together, when you're trying to create a culture, shining Jesus light into that culture is what we're called to do as followers of Jesus Christ. Whether we are the four-year-old flying around in the speeder or the 44 or 64-year-old trying to keep up. We're called to shine Jesus' light. We're trying to create a culture that allows us to do that. And, and I, got a, I got news for you. For the two and a half hours we had for five days, I think we did some good work with those kids. But I don't know how much it'll stick. Because when you do that, and then don't do it for a long period of time, you lose it. That's what I saw with camp. That's what happens with Vacation Bible School. Honestly, that's what happens with us. When we show up to church on a Sunday and we, we hear a message and we get inspired and we think, golly, that's what I ought to be doing. And then we leave. If we only do it for an hour on Sunday morning, are we really getting it? I mean... What are we supposed to do as a church but create a culture that makes this sort of thing happen? This sort of community where we sincerely love one another, where we sincerely care for one another and build each other up, is to create that kind of culture. You know, in two days, we're going to celebrate 247 years as the United States. And yeah, there's going to be barbecue and, and fireworks because that's what the founding fathers intended. Um, but I do know what they intended, even though some will disagree and some will argue about this. What they intended was that we be a country that is founded upon Christian principles. I would argue I don't see that very often. That, that I'm not sure we haven't left that concept of Judeo-Christian culture in favor of, I don't know what, but when I watch the news and, and see what, what our culture is founded upon now, recent founding, I'm not too excited about it. And it's going to take us, it's going to take the church to, to, to be the counterculture, to argue about we need to live our lives in a different way. Not argue about it, to live it so that others can witness it. And maybe they'll pattern their lives as well. And so we're going to do a, a message series that begins today, but it's going to carry on for several weeks. And in this message series, the goal is to help us live in community. The goal is to help us see what does it mean to love one another. And I'm going to use love one another as the overarching theme, but throughout the Bible, there's a lot of one another's. 
And the overarching theme is love, but what, is, what does love look like? What are the components of love? And, and um, I think the components of love are those, are those one another passages, and there's quite a few of them, but we, we're only picking several, it looks like uh, nine uh, of them. And here they are, <laughs> this list. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Submit to one another. We're not very good at that one. Accept one another. Encourage one another. Serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. And spur one another on. I love that, that last one, spur one another on. In different translations of the Bible, it, it might say provoke one another, which I was really good with my little brother at provoking. I did that a lot. So uh, that's going to be the, the passages. Be, all of these are pointing toward love. And you notice some of them are obvious and easy, and some of them you go, I don't know, admonish one another? Folks, love is not permission giving. There are some things we just have to say no to and call each other on it to get in each other's business and say, you know, that's just not working. For you or for anyone, maybe we ought to think about a different way. And then encourage one another is the one that follows it. Encourage one another to that different way. I think Christianity, it's okay to say, no, I don't think that's right. I think that might even be wrong. But we don't naturally do these things. We don't, we don't naturally live these out. They aren't just who we always are. We... we we need to immerse ourselves in it, not just one hour on Sunday, but throughout our week. Not just, I'm going to live my life this particular way. Oh, it's Sunday lunch, time to go. Because if that's all we do, we miss the point, And we never become who Christ calls us to be. If we practice the cultural norms that we are immersed in throughout the community, we won't find ourselves being who Christ calls us to be. Immersing yourself in Christian norms is necessary to work out your salvation. Pastor Greg used that in a message last week in his retirement message, talking about working out your salvation. Let's be clear. Salvation is when you accept what Christ has done for you on the cross. But when, Pete, when Paul says to work out your salvation, what he's saying is now you got to act like it. you got to exercise it. you got to work toward it. you got to work toward being Christ in the world. Work it out. We got to get in one another's business. And I think sometimes, I, I think in, in church, especially outside of church, we're glad to get in each other's business. Just look on social media. But we want to do it anonymously. In church, we're called to be in each other's business. Too often, I think we have traded grace for nice. We just want to be nice. And in being nice, sometimes we don't say the things, the hard things that need to be said. But sometimes we also forget grace and we don't say the kind things that need to be said. I, I, I want to give an example. And <laughs> so what I recognize, I, I, today I start my 29th year of preaching. And um, uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've told this story before. I just don't remember if I told it at this church. Um, 
I'm guessing I have, but I'm going to repeat it anyway. Uh, because I think it's the greatest example for what I'm talking about. And this is a real-life story. It's the story of Oscar. Oscar is... Um, my wife's grandfather, jeez, if Nancy were here, I told it just fine last service, because he was such a, just such a great guy, really was. We just, Nancy and I just loved Oscar. Oscar uh, was born in uh, um, 1904, and um, uh, Oscar became a butcher. And, um, uh, and so his nickname was Butch, <laughs> by the way. Um, but he owned his own shop up in North City. And, um, uh, and, and then the family moved and, and eventually moved to Shrewsbury, Missouri, um, where in Shrewsbury they had this, this small two-bedroom house that, that he and Elizabeth, his wife, who I only knew while we were dating. She died while Nancy and I were dating. Um, but Oscar and Elizabeth had the one room, and then, and then Richard and Jack, the two brothers, had the other room. And uh, they grew up in that house. And um, Oscar also uh, was a semi-pro catcher in baseball. Now, uh, there was a time back in the day when corporations had leagues, um, and uh, he was a catcher in one of these leagues and spent a lot of time being a catcher um, in these semi-pro leagues. And uh, um, Oscar uh, uh, um, was also very faithful. Now, the story I'm telling is, happens to be about a Catholic church, but it doesn't have to be Catholic. I'm not Catholic bashing here. It just happens to be about a Catholic church. This could be related to pretty much any church. Oscar um, would go to Mass, uh, uh, their communion, uh, every day. Uh, whenever they were serving communion in the morning, Oscar would go. And he'd walk from his house to St. Stephen, uh, St. Michael Church, St. Michael Church. I got to keep looking at my wife for instruction on this. He'd go, he'd go to that uh, church. Now, I mentioned he was a semi-pro catcher, right? So this story happens, I'm thinking, when he's in his 70s or 80s. And at this point, he's got knees the size of basketballs because of that kneeling and standing, kneeling and standing. He's, he's suffered the, the injury from that. And uh, um, so he would go to this church and then get to the five steps it would take to get up into the church and just painfully take those steps. Now, Oscar swore this story was true. What he, what he said, what, what happened was true. I can tell you that I'm pretty sure no good self-respecting priest would have said these words. But this is what he swears he said. He said he, he, he went up the steps one day, struggled up the steps one day, and the priest looked at him and said, Oscar, you've been so faithful all these years, you don't have to come anymore. No pastor ever said that, ever in their life. No pastor said, oh, you don't have to come to church anymore. But that's what Oscar heard, and I recognize. I know, that the, I know, it's, I know this happens because sometimes I'll get done with my sermon, and somebody, one, one of you will say, you know, I love what you said about, and I'm thinking, that wasn't in the message. So you hear sometimes something that I didn't say, but you thought I did, and you sincerely. And so Oscar thought that's what he heard, so he didn't go back, ever. He didn't struggle to go back to, to church. The other thing that Oscar did a couple times a week was he went to a tavern for lunch. 
And um, he's retired. I, mean, I, I think he's in his 80s at this point and, and maybe early 90s, uh, uh, close to 90. Nancy's saying, no, he was in his 80s. Okay, so again, I need the instruction. You should sit in front row here so you can coach, coach me on this, flashcards. Um, so Oscar, one day Oscar goes to the tavern and he says to the guys that are lunching there, he says, anybody know a good roofer? Turns out everybody in that tavern's a roofer. They said, what do, you, what do you need, Oscar? He says, Butch. They called him Butch. They said, what do you need, Butch? And he says, well, my, uh, I need a new roof. And they said, we'll be there Saturday. You're buying the beer. And they showed up that Saturday. They tore off everything off the roof, replaced the, the underlayment that needed to be replaced, and then put a whole new roof on it all in one day. And Oscar provided the beer. A few years later, um, well, when you would go to Oscar's tavern with him, like I went with him, and, and you walk in the back door through the kitchen, because Oscar's allowed to do that, Butch is allowed to do that. You, you go through the kitchen, you go, you go into the, the tavern room, and, and, and you're sitting there, and, and, and the, the, the waitress and barmaid are the same person, and she's behind the bar, and she goes, what do you want? You want a butch burger? And Oscar says, yep. And I said, I'll take one too. She said, you can't have one. Okay. Only butch gets a butch burger. Okay. What's a butch burger? Well, it's a cheeseburger with uh, ketchup and mustard. I'll have a cheeseburger with ketchup and mustard. Okay. <laughs> so you, you get the sense of Oscar's relationship. I mean, when you walk through the kitchen and in, everybody, you remember Norm from uh, Cheers? Norm! Everybody said, Butch, when he walked in. One week he doesn't show up. And he gets a phone call. It's that barmaid. Butch, where are you? So, my son Jack died. And she and several roofers showed up with a butch burger, fries, and a beer. Because that's what you do. I mean, tell me, who was the church in that story? Who exhibited that sense of loving one another in that story? That's who we're called to be. Fundamentally, that is who we're called to be. A people who are, are so excited to see each other on a Sunday morning, but not just Sunday morning, who are so excited to live that throughout the week, so much so that, that, that we want to be in each other's lives and care for one another, build one another up and spur one another on or provoke if that's necessary, but also to admonish one another, to be called out when we're headed the wrong way. And to be missed when we're not there. I'm just sure when Oscar stopped going to church, somebody must have said, I wonder who that old guy, where that old guy went that always sat right there. Because you know he always sat in the same spot. You all do. Unless there's a visitor and then you're, you know, displaced. But you all sit in the same spot. You know he was missed. And nobody made the call until he was missed at the tavern. Who we're called to be 
is a people who care so much that we miss one another when you're not there. But more than that, that we reach out and do what needs to be done to care for one another. But it doesn't happen naturally. And you won't get it on one hour on a Sunday morning. It's, it's, it's kind of a, uh, uh, you know, a, a on-the-job training sort of thing. And this is the training, and now you go do the job. We've got to live it every day of every hour out in the world. Amen and amen.